everybody. But it may not be morning where they're... It may not be morning where they are. I'm going to be listening to this at, like, 2 in, well, two in the afternoon. If you're in Hong Kong right now, good evening yesterday. Or is it good evening I tomorrow? I think you've lost all sense I don't know. Right. Um, all that. We're out of our element. Um, the pastors are back. At my home again, but you know, this is, I guess, which is not Bruce, a good sign. Bruce just really liked the comfy. We can rock in these chairs. Very, the chairs are nice. very comfortable. No, this is very comfortable versus the blue futon. And on the visual side, for the, you know, our YouTube watchers, you know, this. Um, a lot of glare coming through that window. Right yeah, there. oh, yeah, that's there is glare. Yeah, that's too okay. bad. But that's all uh, right. Yeah, if we turn this a tad, maybe we get a little some of that glare. Yeah, let's, let's just get it right there. No glare. There yeah, we go. right on me. Of course, no one can see me now. <laughs> slide Bruce over All righty there. There we go. Now I'm okay. Back. I'm part of the podcast again. Here we are. Hey, huge shout out to Tom and Gala. It's his birthday today. Is it Tom's birthday today? Happy birthday, Tom. Tom, we love you. Yep. Uh, Thanks to Facebook, I can actually keep up with my wife's birthday now. <laughs> it tells me. Uh, one of the benefits <laughs> of Facebook, yep. it is save some marriages. It has. It says, hey, Bruce, your wife's got a birthday today. Got it. <laughs> Run to the store right now. Going to take care of that. Uh, I looked up one thing, speaking well, not speaking of anything we've talked about. That's a great segue. <laughs> I, I not started, speaking of anything that we've ever spoken about. I started to let segue me something. out of something when I realized there was no what segue. I'm ready to say is has no connection with anything we've said. And Other I, than, yes, Tom and Gala has been one of our viewers. So I had I, I knew that. That's why I did a shout out to Tom right. to see if he was viewing today. Yes, so we love you, Tom. <clears throat> Happy birthday to Tom. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to Tom. Happy birthday, Tom and Gala. Oh, the other list. Probably should have worked on that beforehand. Happy birthday to you. So, um, I was talking about today. Well, no, you were segueing. Yes, from I was segueing okay. from, from Tom. Tom. No, I was looking at... Um, Happy birthday, Tom. <laughs> Big day for you. Wow. I guess we're going to entitle this the, the Tom episode. The Tom and Gala episode. Well, you know, he's sponsoring us The now. world around. <laughs> does he know that? Nope. <laughs> no, he does now, though. That's what we could do. We could just, we've decided who our sponsor. We're naming sponsors. <laughs> right. I like that. Hey. Tom, IBM. <laughs> you are privileged to be our sponsor. You can send the check to... <laughs> Don't listen to PayPal via Roger's trying to monetize things again. I thought we did a whole podcast on that. We did, and that was specifically for you because you're the monetization king. Okay. So segueing from old Tom Norris. (laughs) Well, I was I was looking. So we kind of launched our podcast through Anchor, um, which has been very easy to work with and actually could even put it in a plug there, but I was looking at a moment for fun for our analytics. Yep. Um, and outside of the United States, so it kind of notes, okay, there's so you can have some international viewers. Oh, wait, wait. Have we been discovered yet? <laughs> well, that's another thing that goes there with monetization that oh. we don't need to be focused on. Okay, not focused We've been there. discovered by about 20 people. <laughs> Wow, that no 
know we exist. That's good. <laughs> and we love all of you, though we may not sing on your birthday every time. No, not um, always. But I, it was just kind of fun. Whatever. So, Anchor, you go on there and they, okay, so you got most of our viewership is the United States, but there are a few international viewers. But one country, turns out we have in that country the second highest. I just wonder if you were to guess what country that would be. Yemen. <laughs> yes, our Yemenese friends. That's come, a quick guess there. They come in just behind another country. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Israel? I don't know. No. Uh, Australia? Uh, no, those, those are good guesses. But Japan, <laughs> Sweden, Denmark. I mean, right, how, so. how far are we going to take this, Raj? There's a lot of countries out there. Let's just say they have a big pointy tower in their country that people go to visit. Paris! <laughs> uh, but of course, the Paris they love, the bastards. <laughs> Yes, uh, uh, Francois. France, yes. I knew, of course I knew that. I knew that you knew that. I, of course, have got the greatest French accent that is known to men. <laughs> it's pretty sad if all the French... We, we know. We know. From the it's Pink from Panther. Pink Panther movie. Peter Sellers. That's actually the only freaking French accent we know. Cheese. yes. Kill him! <laughs> But shout out to our French listeners, whatever time of day that you might be hearing this. Shout out to our French listeners. And shout out to our Yemenese listeners. I don't even know if that's the correct way to say that. I'm not sure what the correct phrase is. I'm also, I would think we'd probably be blocked in Yemen. <laughs> I'm not well, sure. <laughs> we're probably blocked in more countries than we're aware of right now. Hey, another interesting analytic. All right. The average person listens to the first eight minutes of our podcast and checks out. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's, I, about, that's about when you check out. <laughs> so we've got another two minutes to capture them or they're gone. Well, well they're going to love to hear more analytical data. No. I actually have no idea. I think I did get an analytic, but I can't, I can't remember what the number was. Now, I don't know how they figured this, but they also – and you may be closer on this than you were on France, but so they they suggest which of your audience is male and female. They give a percentage. They suggest? Well, in other words, they, they literally put there's a graph and it says, so what percentage of our viewership is male and what from it? Oh, it's, it's got to be 90 percent female. <laughs> that's just that's just my area of ministry. That's well, we know that that. <clears throat> Has been a connection point. Did I tell you I picked up another Girl Scout <laughs> troop with Born to Be Wild? Really? Yeah, Nashville. So you, again, so you take them on like an overnight, and overnight, just, overnight, really almost like an introduction to backpacking. Yeah, it's it's backpacking one on one, and they get a little badge with their the camping badge. Okay, which is pretty cool. Yes. Okay, so what was your what's our analytics on gender? Well, the analytics on and analytics. The analysts on gender, they say 78% of our listeners are male. Wow. <laughs> now, again, I'm losing my edge. But I'm not going to say, how do, how do they figure that? Yeah, do they go by a name? Well, they, they're, how, when people have a, so if you have an online profile anywhere and you've ever checked oh, male, okay. it's all linked and connected. <laughs> so they know this person's male from 
from something you did on the Home Depot site 16 years ago. Okay. <laughs> yes. I want to buy some insulation. Are you male or female? Male. Boom. Internet knows for life. Well, that is part of the weirdness I think we've talked about. You, even again, a few days ago, you, you leave Home Depot and then your phone asks you a few minutes later, how was your visit to Home Depot? Were the bathrooms clean? <laughs> how did you know I was in the bathroom? That's, exactly. That's no good. They're tracking everywhere. It's all the so, time. Anyway, Big Brother is there watching. So this morning, as I was reading, finished my reading, just um, you know, just in, enjoying the Gospels, and I told Marlene, I said, you know, I just love Jesus. It's just, he's just great. On so many, so this is great. So and it made me wonder if this is the, a little bit how we delineate the work of God from the work of man and some of that stuff. But, you know, Jesus would literally raise someone from the dead and, but send the crowds away first, send all the people away first, just all these crowds, all the people in our world. You know, if you're going to raise someone from the dead, it's a big fat thing. I mean, you want to, you actually want to fill a stadium there before you're going to do this thing. But anyway, Jesus, because this is a chance to increase his platform. In Greece's platform, and yet Jesus was. This is the Dryas's daughter. They got throngs of people around him. This is also where the lady was healed that touched his his garment. But he puts everyone out of the room, sends everyone out. No one's going to see this except Peter, James, and John, and mom and dad. And then he heals her. I mean, well, he raises her from the dead. Talitha Kum. I don't know how to say that, but it's beautiful, little girl. I say to you, get up. And she gets up. And of course, in in both, I realize in both resurrections. Maybe also in the widow's son, I can't remember. But he has to remind people to feed them right away. You need to give her something to eat. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> or or with Lazarus, you need to unwrap him. You need to unwrap him, and you need to give him something to eat. But I think part are they, they're in shock, right? They're, they're, at some point, you're you're so disoriented because I th like I've never seen a resurrection, but so it, it's hard to know how. But you would. I think you'd be immobile. I think you would be frozen. Yeah, you would. Your first thought wouldn't be, "We need to get him some food." But Jesus, I, always practical. You need to get him some food. You're going to need to give her some food right away. But I love the fact that he then tells the parents, "Don't tell anyone about this," and news spread about him anyway. But it's interesting. It's like Jesus was the anti-platform builder. He was the anti-celebrity superstar. You know, when I think of <laughs> healing ministries now, you know, fill up stadiums and, and bring people in. It's just a big, we want to make a big deal of it. And yeah, Jesus was just, would just go along and, and multiple times as I was reading this morning, he said, don't tell anyone about this. And I'm just like, that's antithetical to Western American culture. But it raises the question, I'm fascinated you brought this up, so it's great because I want to kind of get it. So, how do we live this? Um, again, everything it seems has a certain tension to it. Yep. And and uh, but I think it raises the question: Should we promote? What if anything should we promote? Should we promote our ministry? Should we promote yep. our um, podcast? In other words, again, so really, <clears throat> you know, I was listening to a Christian author who had written a book, and the publishers, you know, kind of gave him a call and, hey, listen, we need you to promote this more. We need you to, and, 
well, you know, he's just talking about, I'm, I'm, you need to do this, this, this. And again, you, there are a thousand plans out there and formulas and systems we can, but to increase your platform and, but they were saying, you need to get out there. And he said, I'm just not as comfortable with that. And they said, well, do you, do you believe in what you wrote? Do you think it's important to you? Well, I, I think there's some value to that. Then you should get out and um, promote. But I'm walking there in the tension of Jesus did seem to be the at almost every turn, maybe every turn, the anti-promoter. Right. Repeatedly saying, "Don't tell anyone." Um, <clears throat> and he said, and he seemed to tell people one at a time, "Follow me." You know, right? You know, follow me. Let's go on this journey. You know, when I was watching a little bit of the, the, the Chosen Season 2 that came out, right. you know, and it shows him marching over this hill, and then you see a throng of people behind him. One thing I'm enjoying about the Chosen is it, it gives you a picture for something that you kind of don't see in your head. But there was crowds of people that followed him. 5,000 people gathered, 5,000 men gathered. Who knows how many other women and children, you know, what we call the feeding of 5,000. Right. Audrey, imagine how many people that is and of course in that situation again this is this whole idea of being discovered which we've we've talked about laughingly before yeah. and even in in roger and i's heart of hearts there's a part of us that always you sort of as an author or a speaker you want to get discovered, discovered right where you know you're being invited to speak on this and that and everyone's asking your opinion which scares me to death in some senses i'm like i'm not smart enough to have an opinion on most things i'm, I'm just not and yet all of a sudden people want to come to you with Oh, Bruce, you wrote this great thing. We want your opinion on the political situation in France. Right. And I'm like, and I would be tempted to say, well, let me tell you what I think about that. And I'm like, right. I, I don't even need to have an opinion on that. Right. But Jesus knew he would be discovered. But like in the fitting of the 5,000 at the end of that, at the end of that thing, it says, knowing that they intended to make him king by force. I mean, in other words, they wanted to, we're going to, if Jesus is going to be anti-platform, we're going to platform ourselves. He sends the whole crowd away, and it's interesting, he sends the disciples away as well, because the disciples might have been going with the crowd a little at that point, going, this is a great idea. We can finally go, you know, big public with this thing. Yeah, so the other tension in that is, do we think that part of the reason for that is, and he didn't want to, I'm going to say this wrong, he didn't want to bring his death about too early. I mean, there was a, his time was has not yet come. Right. He would say that over again, my time has not yet come. And sometimes when he said that, he seemed to be referencing this, his death. Sure. So, oh, yes. So, hey, we don't want to get, we don't want to get everything too worked up yet. I don't know. I'm just, I'm curious. But at the very least, he was not a self-promoter. And I think for me, because when, when I published the book, the publisher definitely wanted me to promote the book and they would work out radio interviews and, and blog, uh, guest blog stuff. They definitely want you to promote the book. And what I had to wrestle with God about, and I felt comfortable with it, was I felt this was out when I was on my riding lawnmower in the backyard. And sometimes I do some of my best just meditating and prayers mowing because that's all you can hear is the mower. And I was like, you know, God, I'm just not comfortable with self-promotion at that whole thing. And I felt like God posed the question, well, are you are you promoting yourself or are you sharing my message? And when I came to the point, I really want to share your message, that really – that's where my heart lies with that. Even in even in those little dark spaces of our heart that wants to be discovered. Sure. I get that. Oh, gosh, yes. I'm like, no, but I do want to share 
the message of hope that he's given us. So for me, I was comfortable with a certain amount of that. Yeah, the tension that for me is still there is what is trusting God with the message and the Mm -hmm. audience look like? Um, So it's fat. I just thought of something. Yeah. So he heals the... um, Oh, wow, this is great. He heals the, the man that had a legion of demons... That, that guy wants to follow him. He says, no, I want you to stay here. And then he said, go and tell everyone what God has done for you. Mm-hmm. So at that point, it wasn't self-promotion. It was God promotion. Right. But it was it was the story of his life. This is what God has done for me. And Jesus encouraged that. Yeah. I just thought about that. That's a place where he said, I want you to promote. Yeah. I want you to promote to others what God has done for you. Yeah. And I want you to do it in your homeland. Don't, I don't want you to follow me <laughs> traveling. I want you to. Oh, that's interesting. What's interesting to me there, I think, is important is, and I think this is the calling, and maybe the part of is, is all of us have to walk and answer to God, but for what he, we feel like he's leading us to do. Sure. <clears throat> I think maybe the little clarity I'm getting here is big was not a big deal to Jesus. <clears throat> he was going to leave big to the Father. He was going to, and this is where I've been, thinking this week. So it's just a fascinating thing that you brought this up. So um, I think a lot in our culture tells us that a thing is significant when it's big. Right. Um, And so even there, I remember hearing the phrase, you know, do great things for God, do big things for God. Uh, And people used to wear t-shirts for a while at different churches, go big or go home. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, a church age group, I remember. Was okay. Doing those, those, go big or go home. So the tension there is the idea that if God's in it, if you're doing what God mm-hmm. wants you to do, it's going to be big. It's supposed to be big. And if it's not and big. God wants it to be big. God wants it to be big. And if it's not big, you've got to get it there. Roger, I felt that tension every day when we led churches. Because almost no one, that's not true, a lot of people wanted the church to grow and become big. Right. And and there was a part of me that did too. Because I'm like, the more people that hear the gospel message, the more the more lives that are changed. It really is, it's cutting me out over there, just letting you know. <laughs> You're hitting the red every time you even laugh. Look at that. <laughs> so... We're learning right now that audacity is cutting out my voice again. I don't know what it is about my voice that it doesn't like, but it's it's picking up your chuckle. I'm not even picking up my full verb. What was I saying? It's very important. Yes, you were talking about the the desire to be big when church world. And And people wanted it to be big, and and they would always um, they would often come to you. Hey, this we need to get do this uh, branding and, and grow this more and get the word out more on this and. I just remember that tension, that discomfort. And, of course, then there was others who who actually would say, we came to this church. You remember this? Because it was small. Right. And they loved that it was small. And they could get to know people. And But I think overall, in Western culture, I don't know about other cultures, bigger is assumed to be better. Right. And and God and, and more God-anointed. Right. In other words, big is a sign of God's blessing. Yep. It's a sign you're doing it right. It's... Think about that. It's a sign that you're doing it right. Which is wrong. Which is wrong. (laughs) A sign that you're doing it right. I was thinking, 
also another thing I think that influenced us on the big front is you are John R. Rice. John R. Rice. <laughs> our granddad, so our grandfather was an evangelist who would do ended up doing big campaigns. Big crusades. Literally Billy Graham was on his board at one time. Right. His board of directors. Right. And they So he was a crusade evangelist. A few times. Right. So crusade evangelist spoke uh, to thousands sometimes. Yep. Started a publication that had, I think, over 100,000. Oh, it had over 200,000. Think about this. A weekly newspaper in the 70s, 60s and 70s that had 200,000 subscribers worldwide, weekly. Okay. I. He wrote nearly 100 books. Well, uh, yeah, over 200 books and pamphlets. Over two, I only know this because I worked for Joyful Christian Ministries for five years. Okay. So... I think also running in the software yeah. under the surface for us was we were in a family culture where God had done big things. Yep. I'm just saying in terms of right. phys- uh, human stick, big size things. And again, I think that could lend itself even to the idea once again, if you're walking in the spirit, if you're doing what God wants. Yeah, that's, that's true. The, um, I didn't think about that. Even when we were associated with Holland Park, Lee Robertson, thousands and thousands thing. of people, four or five thousand so people. For a short time, we were this large, yeah. huge university, thousands of students that are part of that university. Yeah, we were influenced. Now, what was interesting is Dad never led a huge church, not a mega right. church. You know, I think you know four hundred people or so, right? Which is a, which is a large church, mm-hmm. but it, but it seems a little more manageable. Um, so, but but think about it. But it wasn't that our dad pastored a church of eighteen to thirty people, which which would I think which would frame your reference for ministry. Interestingly enough, so where I could feel what you talked about, I at one point, by the grace of God, it started a church as well in New England. Yep. Uh, have pastored other churches, and realizing that there were times where I also felt the pull to be big at yep. the level of, and, and, and where the tension was, I think it was the idea again, that if you're, if you're doing church the right way, it's going to grow. It's going to, it's going to take off. But I realized how many things in the scriptures really undercut that idea. Um, it, it's one of those things that, without quick thought, sounds logical, right? Right. <clears throat> but I, there was a word I read this week from John the Baptizer that, as it relates to big. So this is actually very interesting to me. So first of all, even if we talk about this whole, as we think about promotion and... and oh, yeah. Discovery. Right. now Because John the Baptist got discovered. He got discovered. <laughs> but from all I can tell, he did everything possible... He did all the things you would not do to build a platform. Yeah. Repent, uh, you brood of vipers. Well, 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 let me start. Let me go back before his <laughs> message. Okay. He's kind oh. of strange. Oh, yeah. Did you see what Peter said? He found a new bug to eat. That was so good. But this is where, so, yeah. He didn't dress for success. Nope. Uh, he, he was. He was eccentric. He lived in the backcountry, which I love that about him. But, again, so he's not in the big city. Mm-mm. You have to go find him. He's out in the wilderness. He's out. 
He's out in the wilderness, out in the desert, actually where people not aren't thrilled about going. And yet, at some point, it appears that all kinds of people oh, wow. were flocking to him. And, and it, so it, even there, so it doesn't surprise me later when he says this. You're going to remember this. Oh, yeah. So um, people come to him and they say, you know that guy you've been promoting, that guy even talked about Jesus. He's baptizing, and everyone now is going to him. So there's this place where all the crowds at one point were coming to John the baptizer, the cousin of Jesus, who amazingly had received a word and a calling from God. God speaks to him in some direct way and tells him, your cousin is the Lamb of God. He didn't just invent, who, who takes away the sins of the world. He could say about his cousin, he, I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. shoes yeah. And so he he promotes and whatever. And you just think, I'm just thinking about all of us. He was discovered. Yep. But what does he say when they say, you realize now everybody's going out, Jesus baptizing his followers, and everyone's going out to hear him. And he said, a man can only receive what, what is he's given, given him from, from heaven. heaven. I must decrease, and he must increase. And I hear with that, I have my time. It, this is to me, discovery yeah. is in the hand of God. Big, I guess it, what in my mind, the way it comes to, is, big is up to God. God decides. At, at time and big think about this the other thing that I didn't I was sharing this with a client this week or maybe you I can't remember this conversation but I was like I don't think John realized when he said I must decrease he, he thought that meant his head was going to get cut off I don't think he thought that meant he was going to be oh, in prison and then executed <laughs> no. in fact because while he was in prison you know he was like hey Jesus are you the real thing I've been promoting because you, you came to free the captives uh, note the captive right here and, and Jesus affirms that, yes, he is the one, and, and John is, has done his work, but didn't rescue him. Yeah. And he dies at the whim of an exotic dancer. Yeah, it's it's one of those... <sighs> decrease. Decrease, because I've thought about him I, in that regard. I think about what his dreams were, and, and I guess I'm expecting he's going to get to tell others about Jesus... He's going to keep get keep promoting the rest him. of his life, right? He's going to um, the joy he's had with that because you could see he said, "My joy is complete." And that same we're talking about the same conversation when he says, "A man can only be given to him what's re- received what has been given to him from heaven." He said, "My joy is full." He must increase; I must decrease. And he and he said, "My joy is full." He he, he loved doing that. Um, but there was a point when God not only said, yeah, um, yeah, you're not going to be big, but you're not going to be alive. Your, your, your time. <laughs> your time. Your time has come. And so here is where I think. Oh, yeah. So think about it. He only made it about 30 years as well. <laughs> yes. Because he was born, what, six months before Jesus? Something like right. that. Wow. And he gets died. He gets died. He gets died. <laughs> he, he, poor John, he gets died. <laughs> Roger's talking in baby talk today. We're not sure why. 
Go ahead and finish that. <laughs> Extraordinarily deep thought, Raj. Right. Because no one in podcast world can hear me. I'm trying to. Oh. Uh, <clears throat> he gets killed. Let's, let's start there. That helps. But it not this, at some level, just come back to um, trusting God with my fruitfulness, trusting God with my audience, trusting. It seems that all God is asking for me is just do what I've asked. Just do what I'm asking you to do. Just be faithful what I, moreover, it's required in stewards. That someone is just faithful with do. I'm not responsible. I even think again of the parable of the talents. Yep. And Jesus just, you know, the one who had two talents turned it into two more. And the, and, and the king was happy. The one who had five talents turned it into five, and the king was happy. The one who had one talent buried it, turned it into nothing, and the king was unhappy. <clears throat> not with the size. It wasn't ever about the size. He just wasn't faithful. He just didn't do anything. Because the story could have been. And the servant who had one turned it into another one, and the right. king was happy. Right, exactly. So, but, but there was not a measure of happiness related to how much was produced. It, we actually know this already. We receive even different gifts and abilities from God. Some people are oh, more gifted. Goodness, They're yes. more... <clears throat> but audience is also related to God. <clears throat> Which is, which is why this is, and I think it's a great argument for why people need to keep writing books. You could say all the books have been written that need to be written about whatever, you know, whatever right. the thing is. But, but you'll reach a different audience than I will. I will reach a different audience than you. I mean, there's different people that will read our writings or hear what we have to say. And that's where size <laughs> and the scope of ministry is in God's hands. And we don't really have to worry about that. Where I've been stuck for a while is just John 14, 15, just to remain in me. It's, Jesus, stay where you are. I just thought about this in terms of backcountry hiking. By the way, they say, you know, if you ever get lost, stay where you are. In other words, don't keep roaming around trying to don't, get unlost. Don't get more loster. You're, you're getting more loster. <laughs> you're just, it's, you're making it. And there's ways that you can, you can, you can, you can create a fixed point. The way you, you don't panic in the backcountry is you, I'm not lost. I'm right here. You literally have to tell yourself that I'm right here. And then that becomes your fixed point. Now, from that fixed point, you can begin to back up 50 yards, keeping an eye on that big point, and keep going in different directions until you find the trail. But you always have that fixed point. Stay right, stay where you are. When Jesus said, abide in me, remain in me, that word literally means stay where you are. <laughs> Jesus says, remain in me, remain in my love, remain in my words, and you will bear much fruit. And then he says this, it is the Father's glory that you bear much fruit, proving yourself to be my disciples. The much fruit may not be thousands of people yes the much fruit might be as you remain in me that one person that you interact with this day will have a profound interaction with me that changes them forever and i don't even know it i don't even know it i don't even know it just happened and that's what's so important is not to equate fruitfulness with volume right and it was bearing fruit that's right. it God, god's going to produce the fruit Quantifying it is up to him. It, it, there, it's, it's just addressing or pushing against this lie that says it will be numerically big. Right. It should be, or that I'm supposed to do that. I even think it's, I'm not sure it's the best illustration, but you and I have both written a book. Yep. Okay. 
and um, we've read each other's books, um, and I expect, best I can tell, Part, maybe, partly wrong, excellent book, partly, and partly read, it would, it would be, in other words, it's something that maybe a hundred or so people have bought, let's yep. say, where I can track Amazon or whatever, a little over a hundred, whatever, right. <clears throat> you wrote a book, well, Thousands have sold. I mean, you know, several thousand. I went four or five thousand. Yep. And I think it is resting in the comfort for me of it's it's not my responsibility for how many people read. It's not my responsibility. It's my responsibility if God presses something on my heart. So I can look at that book and say, I think there are things that God wanted me to say. Yeah. And it's had fruitfulness. And I've had, you know, I've had oh, a yeah. couple of people who've you know, spoken to me about it or whatever. And to be able to rest in, God decides big. God decides range of audience. This is exactly, I think, right. what John the Baptizer was saying. He said, I had, I had a time where thousands of people, it was like I was discovered at a point, but then I was undiscovered. But that was never really... That wasn't the driving force. And this is what you look look at Jesus is he wasn't driven by big. If the father brought big, great. But here's the other thing, because the concern with big can cause me to alter my message. Right. And that they were they were determined to make him king by force. In other words, the crowd wanted to influence the message of Jesus. Right. And he's like, no, my time has not yet come. I will be crowned king, but it won't be in the way that you think. I'll be right. handed over to the Romans and I'll be crucified. <laughs> I'll be crowned with the crown of thorns, and I'll die. That's not what any of them, that's not the message that any of them wanted to hear. I mean, another, I was reading last week, where at a time that he was moving, and he told his disciples to get in the boat and go to the other side, and two people come to him. Apparently, this is part of the, the crowd of disciples that's following him. And he says, hey, it's interesting, a teacher of the law. I'd love to know more about that story. The, the chosen might do something with that. But a teacher of the law comes to him who's steeped in all of that Mosaic law and rich in tradition, he says, I will follow you wherever you go. In other words, he has this moment. And Jesus just says, well, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. I mean, it's almost like, do you realize what you're signing on for? I mean, the teacher of the law, if he follows Jesus, he's giving up everything, which, of course, Jesus said, you have to do if you want to be my disciple. I think he was reflecting. You realize that whole teacher of the law thing that's been going really well for you to this point? Well, that ends now. And it's just interesting. And then another guy said, well, first let me bury my father, which apparently in their culture meant we're going to wait until he dies, which could be. And Jesus was kind of like, no, my, my mission's urgent. We need to do it now. Let the dead yeah. bury the dead. You must follow me. I think, tell us about that, Rod. Well, I was just thinking. Since I, no one heard anything. I said. <laughs> well, thankfully, they're not listening live. Yeah. We can fix that. We can fix that. If YouTube is creating sound for us. We're sure, <laughs> we are sure hoping so. But where the pursuit of big gets <laughs> sideways. First of all, the idea that that's, that's a sign of God's blessing. Roger, we're going to call this the big podcast. The big, the this big is one. the big one. The big, the big one. Go ahead. Well, it's um, when you decide you're going to pursue big, you can get off mission. Yeah. And this is where Jesus simply walked in. 
I know what the mission is. And actually, at the end, when you look at the cross, at that moment, Jesus wasn't hugely big. The, the, the people following at that point seemed to be a thinner group. In fact, there was a very large people saying crucify him. Yep. So there, yeah, the louder, the louder throng, the large, yeah, at the, that point was crucify was him. Was crucify him. So, but what you're saying, where they're trying to make him king by force, where they're, if you're obsessed with big, you get off your mission. And I think the temptation even for churches, just think of it, it was, I was listening to someone talk about this this week. You would mega churches, but it could be any church. It is, but mega churches are by their very nature, they're big. But you can find mega. the temptation is how do we stay big? But here's the here's the deal. Or how do we make it bigger? How do we make it bigger? But how do we keep from losing at, people? At the very least, we gotta keep it big. So it's very interesting. So I was listening to someone talk this week about a kind of a study that was done about mega churches and, and their current growth and the, and it was asking questions <clears> and so on. But it was interesting. Uh, some of the findings were most mega churches said we stay away from political issues, we stay away from justice issues, we stay away from controversy, we stay away. And I just wonder, see, Jesus unconcerned about big could say offensive things. He could say things that would cause thousands to leave in a day. 4,988. <laughs> And so where and I was just thinking about this, John the Baptist. John the Baptist, you know, his his descent into prison and execution was when he spoke to power. Yes. You remember what got him yes. imprisoned? Yeah. He spoke to political power or rebuke mm-hmm. by telling the king that he had taken his brother's wife and that was unlawful. And so the king had him put in prison. Yep. Which was the beginning of the end. Right. Because wasn't it the he, woman he spoke that he took to power? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Herodias, Philip Herodias's wife was previously Philip's wife, and now not. Yeah. So the the danger of trying to create big or sustain big, sustain big, is that it is highly likely to get you off off mission. You're going to have Roger, a hard time yeah. speaking the truth. You just nailed it. And, and if you're if you're determined to grow from small to big, you know, then you'll also avoid this. I'm telling my story right now. You'll also avoid controversial topics. Yes. You don't want to get turned down for speaking engagements. You want to get more speaking engagements. You want more people to read your book. You want. Right. And you even look now. Once again, I've been convicted on the pastors. Well, you look at even again, publishers, are they going to touch? Some books are not going to touch. Some books they're not going to touch. Because they're too controversial. Yep. And, and again, the, the, the stories are out there. It's not, um, um, well, we're just not going to. In fact, I just heard a story. I wish I could remember the, the book. Um, but someone was asking a publisher about a particular book. Roger. And they said, that's going to get everyone mad. It's going to get people on the right mad. It's going to be pe- people on the left mad. It's going to, it's. It's going to be a little bit like Jesus. I ran into this tension. I mean, so several years ago, I was meeting with a publisher about uh, sharing my proposal for Unlearning Poverty, which okay. is a book I've worked on since, you know, 2016. Yeah. 
and they liked the proposal. They, they said, we like the idea of the book. We like you. But and I remember uh, the, the representative said, is there any way that you can make it sound better than unlearning poverty, something like the life you've always wanted to live? <laughs> and I'm thinking, but working, <laughs> honestly, working with the poor and the vulnerable and the marginalized is not the life that really most anyone wants to live. It's hard. There's more horror stories than success stories. That's one of the things that I had to even learn about. Poverty is, we're not going to come in swooping down on the white horse and rescue the neighborhood. It, it's really going to be very slow, one life at a time. God determines a lot the of fruit. And I, and I realized that's where I just kind of like, because I said, yeah, let me think about that. And I realized I couldn't come up with a the most exciting thing you could ever do, the funnest thing you could ever do, the most is to work with the poor. It's just hard. Yeah. So, I mean, that's it's part of why I like the title of the book. <laughs> Wish I had thought of it. Do hard things, <laughs> because that's what it is. Yeah. Um, and but I, I also understand the publisher wants to sell books. Right. And I'm and I'm in that tension of, and it's a good message. I want to get this to people who potentially want to work more directly with the vulnerable. But I can't pitch it. I don't want to bait and switch it like, oh, it's awesome. It's the, it's the greatest thing ever. No, like you say, it's going to be the hardest thing you'll ever do. I like it. When I think about how we started, I think I like do hard things better than do big things. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 that... Or, or Roger, what about do small things? What about if someone else has written something on this, maybe a blog post, but I loved it, A Dream for Smaller Barns. Uh, because he was talking yeah. about Jesus' parable of the rich fool yeah. who wanted to build bigger barns, and he goes, a dream for smaller barns. And I think it was more about materialism and all of that, but I just loved that title where we're moving toward small. Now, at the same time, we have to clarify, we have to be honest, smaller is not necessarily better either. Right. It's, it's yeah. what has God called me to do, and I'm, am I willing to be faithful with whatever that is? I thought about a song we grew up with. Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you'll go in Jesus' name. Didn't Grandpa write that song? I don't know. Did he? I think he did. But this idea... I got to look it up now. Is a place you're called to labor seems so small and little known. It is great if God is in it. And I think that's Little the, as much when God is in it, John Rice. <laughs> I really do. I think he wrote that. Okay. I Yes. This rousing arrangement by Brittany Thompson. <laughs> well. <laughs> Missed it by that much. Well, Grandpa went by the pseudonym Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the actual song is written by a different person. Yeah, F.W. Suffield. Yes. F.W. Suffield. Was, Our mother knew that. Was she was mortified that you did not know I that. Did, I just knew Grandpa sang it. Right. But there's where labor not for wealth or fame, labor not for big. I don't think most. I don't think most of us would just say in our heart of heart. You know, I, I'm just that it's really about being famous. Sometimes it really, and I think even as a pastor, my thought around big was the idea that more people knowing Jesus, more people coming knowing that. That did move my heart. Yes. But that's also what I have to leave. I don't know. There was so much yeah. in my best moments about fame, though I can't say that that did never come into. Right. But but don't labor for that. There, There's where come to pe where God, 
um, you leave big to God, be faithful um, in what he's called you to do, um, do what he's, and then let big happen. And you really realize it's really in God's hand, people being discovered. Yeah, and, and and then, of course, this is a whole other podcast. Do I really want to be discovered because of the weight and the pressure that oh, goes gosh. with that? I was just reading. I've been asked to endorse. <laughs> a friend of mine has got a book coming out in about six months, Becky Keith, and it's called The Simple Difference, How to, How Every Small Kindness Makes a Big Impact. Oh, good. I just thought about that. And I'm okay. like, I'm like, that's an important book for our world that she's yeah. writing because she's dealing with this issue that we're talking about where the smallest act of kindness makes a big difference. Yeah. So that, that's the thing of how do we measure big? What if there's a big difference in a single person's life? There's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents yeah. than a thousand that don't need to repent. Right, right. Big difference. Yeah. So here's kind of where we're finishing the podcast today. Do small things for the big difference. Or do small things and leave big to God. Or do small things... <laughs> And what Roger said. Or do hard things and God will decide whether they become big or small. Okay, so my this is one of my constant themes when I speak somewhere. Focus on obedience, not outcomes. Good. Uh, Yes. Just focus on obedience, not outcomes. Outcomes are in the hand of God. I can't if I try to if I try to manipulate the outcome or make sure the outcome, it was a little bit like in the old days when you'd have people come forward. After the service, and you would you would seed the audience with two or three people that were going to come forward. <laughs> you did not do that. Just get, well, I'm just saying. I know this happened in other places where. Oh, you, I've heard people you, talking about. Yeah, you want, and I've had it come up in meetings, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm not comfortable with that. Right. Where this person. Yep. Three, it seems to be crossing a line uh, where now I'm I'm manipulating. And I want people to be comfortable making a decision, but I don't want them to be manipulated into yeah. making a decision. Yeah. So. Um, so you heard it here on the Pastors. So this was the big cast, the big pod. Yes, by the big brothers. <laughs> so we are putting on a little weight. We are. I've got a little COVID-19, right? Yeah. Yeah, need to work that off here. Roger's headed towards so. two mills. <laughs> I'm going to work at being smaller. <laughs> That's great. Uh, until then, episode 12, season 4, signing out.